0: I'm Mark Hummel, and welcome to Mark Hummel's Harmonic Party. I am in Sheffield, England, at my friend Bob Hall's house, and we are going to talk about Bob's career and... How intertwined it is with all these other people that you've known for for many years. Yeah, we
1: should say that we have have had a kind of a run-through here, so I probably will forget some of the things. Don't worry, I will remind remind you. you. I will remind (laughs) you, don't worry. I'm very good at my job.
0: (laughs) But um, yeah, uh, I just want to say for starters, we've known each other, I think we go back 40 years, even though we haven't been the The best of friends. We've always been friendly and yeah. and, and played yeah. shows together off and on. Yeah,
1: and I know I know we have met and played together. And I got the photographs to prove it. And you got the <laughs> photographs. You got to lay
0: one of those on me. Right. Yeah. So um, the first thing I want to just say is uh, is how did somebody from England get into
1: blues? As I assume you were a youngster when you got into blues, right? I was fourteen. Right. And a school friend of mine. Said, I've got a couple of records that might interest you. And he took me to his house, and he played me. T- he had two records. They were the only blues records he had. And one of them was "Smokestack Lightning" by Alan Wolf, and the other was a sunny Terry, Brownie McGee. Album. Oh wow! Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and that changed my life. I thought, hey, I want to. Particularly the the Alan Wolf one. Yeah. know The piano it was an EP, and it were. A couple of other tracks, You Can't Be Beaten, Come To Me Baby, and it had that fabulous piano. I wanted to play like that.
0: Now, were these LPs or no, 45s? Was,
1: well, one was, a, I think, a 10-inch album. The other was a, a 45. Right. What, but it was, it was an EP, two tracks. On okay. side. Yeah. Was it the Wolf one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Okay. Yeah, I've still, you know, I went out and bought it. I've still got it. Right. Been, <laughs> Sounds like and, me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, when I never ever thought I'd get to play with him, but hey...
0: Now you talk about uh, Wolf. Yeah. You played with
1: Wolf. Yeah. yeah. Wow. When was that? Yeah. Six, Groundhogs. Uh, Dave Kelly band, I think. They, 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 no, they were they were called the John Dummer Blues Band. Okay. And uh, who? Um, John Dummer was the drummer. Okay. The band and it was his band and yeah we backed Wolf. Um, I think they did a lot more gigs all over the country, but I played all the ones I could get to. Yeah. Having a day job and having right. Chained, and, and chained by the foot to the office and you know.
0: I think in a lot of ways that's what makes you kind of unusual is that you're one of the musicians uh in the early you know the in the 60s that kind of kept a day job but also did a ton of work with different people that were you know I mean pretty much became very famous I mean you know
1: yeah
0: and uh and you also did a lot of work with American artists probably more so than most. Yeah, the British musicians I got good at playing hooky from the office right and also right.
1: I, at, that, at that time uh, I worked for the government and, and working for the government wasn't that hard in those days right it's,
0: it's, so you had a lot of leeway with yeah that. you could get yeah. in late and go home yeah. early and no one noticed though, right they late, they don't notice, I don't mind. right exactly
1: so uh uh were you playing piano prior to hearing about blues or not yeah my father was a pianist okay um, and in many respects a much better pianist than me because my father was one of these people um he liked the great american songbook that sort of thing mm-hmm. but you could he could hear a tune on the radio and straight away sit down and play wow you know he just he just yeah. had that ear and, yeah and he was very good
0: um so was not necessarily a guy that just did reading
1: no yeah he, um, I think he could read, but but uh, uh, he he could do it everything. He didn't need to, right? Um, but uh, unfortunately for him, uh, the only gigs that were available for pianists in those days were in pubs, mm-hmm. because every pub had a piano. In fact, every home yeah. had a piano. That's then, true. Now. Yeah. Um, and my mother didn't want hmm. him playing pubs, hmm. so she sort of said, "Was mm, it I'm just because of the lifestyle?" Or? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and she. She felt that if he spent too much time in pubs, he'd have too much to drink. Right. But he never did. My father was a very esteemious man, but you know, mm-hmm. that, was, that was her view. So, and what did he do for a living? Uh, he, was, he, he was a buyer for a, a tin plate firm. Mm-hmm. That made, um, they made tin boxes, biscuit tins, mm-hmm. um, down, by, uh, down by the docks in Burman's in, in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to work there in the vacations, loading Tins onto trucks and right. one thing or another, but uh, my father was was my inspiration. Although he never liked what I played, hmm. he never liked it because I'm left-handed, and for me, boogie woogie was the easiest thing to play. Interesting,
0: yeah. You know, and he would say,
1: "Play something we can whistle." No, I, I want to play this, right? <laughs> so, so that was we we differed. In that. Yeah, but, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was my inspiration, and I wish I had his talent. Yeah, but there we go.
0: Yeah. Well, you've certainly gotten to be a great player, and oh, scrape uh, by. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're one of the best, you know, blues players in the country, easily.
1: Uh, uh, well, I used. To I mean, be one of for the, I used to be one of the only ones. Well, I'm just <laughs> I'm saying. Actually, I mean, yeah.
0: you're you're <laughs> somebody that really went after. Yes. The old school type of blues, and yeah. I didn't really hear yeah. many UK.
1: No blues
0: pianist really going after it like you
1: did. No, we we, we used to have um, my my first wife and I we we used, we used to have boogie woogie parties. Wow! Uh, and and we would invite all the boogie woogie pianists in England. Mm-hmm. To, in fact, he guy used to come down from Scotland too. Wow! And we'd have these weekend parties, uh, and we had two pianos, which we kind of pushed back to back in the same room. You know? mm-hmm. And we just played interminable. It must be wow. terrible. Well, the neighbors must have been, like, come <laughs> But we, you know, we, just, yeah. we, we were young and enthusiastic. Right, right. <you know>. right.
0: <laughs> now, did you ever get a chance to meet uh, uh, Steve
1: Winwood in the early years? I saw him play once. In fact, he, he almost stopped me dead because he, uh, I saw him play uh, uh, when he was with Spencer Davis. Right. And he sang better, played piano better, and played guitar better than I did. <laughs> and he was sixteen or something like that. And sixteen. I to, you know, yeah. Why do I bother?
0: That's what I've heard about him is he that everybody just, had that reaction oh, to him no, pretty like, much. Like, everybody like, I've yeah. ever talked yeah. to him, was, May all said the same thing. He it was, was
1: just he was yeah. amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So could he play Boogie
1: Woogie, too? I didn't hear him do that, but he was a very good blues band. He sure was. was Just a very good everything. Just everything. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. He was a
0: great guitar player. too. yeah. And a great singer. Yeah. Wild. So uh, what was the first blues band you were in?
1: I tried before I went to university to put together the band um, one way or another. but really the the first blue proper blues band i was in I, I left university and there's a there used to be a magazine a week well, newspaper weekly paper called the melody maker here right right and the back of the melody maker there were adverts for musicians you know, right and it would say things like "Drummer must have own transport all <laughs> of this kind of stuff you know um, and every time there was an advert for a keyboard player i would answer it uh-huh. But mostly they wanted somebody who played organ because uh-huh. Jimmy Smith was very right. popular at that right. time. And I didn't want to do that. Right. And eventually I found a band that wanted a piano player and I went along for the, for the interview uh, for the audition and two people answered the advert and the other guy didn't show up. <laughs> so I got the gig. You got the gig, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was the Groundhogs. Oh, really? And the wow. Groundhogs were a band that that was... Uh, I think I think we were doomed to be commercially unsuccessful because we didn't like anything that was commercially successful. Right, we didn't and that anything. was Tony McPhee. Yeah, we yeah. didn't play any Chuck Berry or, or right. anything Bo Diddley, none of that stuff. We didn't want to know. play the real stuff. You know, yeah, like Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters. Yeah, t- yeah. yeah. Hey, we young. And, I mean, ideas. And what
0: 64. year was that? Do you remember? 65. 64, sixty-five, sixty-four, sixty-five. Okay, and now you guys back? As I recall, you back. A ton of people,
1: John Lee Hooker and Hooker was the, th- no Hooker was the second we backed we backed um, uh, championed actor champion Jack right but that but that that was in the days um, when he used to do his song and dance routine oh okay you know, because he would he had that kind of New Orleans right style and he would do the singing and the and, right. the, and the dancing with right. his flashy shoes and right. what have you, and I played piano for him.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Oh, he played piano as well. So right. Was I, like knew I knew you played piano, when, yeah. he, when he stood up. And, and then we we backed John Lee Hooker a right. lot. Um, And I think, in fact, I think that originally the band was called The Bills, and they changed it to The Groundhogs to back John Lee Hooker. Really? Yeah. Oh, because yeah, of his song? Groundhog blues. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Interesting. And they did several several tours with him, and and I think they. And he became he
0: became really
1: big here during that time. He had. uh, He ended up having
0: like a number one, didn't he?
1: Well, certainly top five. Um, Right. Boom boom. Right. Um, And what was the other one? There was another one he had, which I'm I'm struggling now. Hobo or Hobo Blues? Um, I don't remember. He had maybe, two, uh, oh, I had dimples. I dimples. Dimples. dimples was a hit, yeah, right. And Boom Boom was, it was right. in the top 20, right. He had I remember two that. in the top yeah. 20, right. And, like, and I can remember playing with John, the ladies, he loved the ladies, you know. And he was at that time, I think, very attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I As mean, he was maybe 40 ish, yeah, you know, and yeah. Was, and we played gigs, and the first three rows would be young. Know, 15 16 year old girls you
0: know and you was know, <laughs> he I must think, have been in heaven I don't think I have that one too. <laughs> he must uh, have been in heaven
1: he, he loved it. Yeah. oh man yeah um so yeah that was that was our, my first experience of really seeing what music could do for you yeah, yeah. yeah i'll say
0: that's enough to keep you in the business right oh, there yeah. yeah
1: but we also backed little little walter who Did was really? a, who was not um, successful financially, right? Um, You're he, saying just commercial. people didn't come out to see him. People, or? Well, the people came out to see him, but he didn't. He didn't um, connect with the audience. Right. He, he didn't. He didn't speak to them. He right. played long, harmonious, meandering kind of stuff. Yeah. He did not I mean, John would. You had to connect. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. He, he he really tried to connect, and Waller didn't didn't do that, and he didn't go down that well.
0: And now, why do you think that was? Do you think that was just not being
1: comfortable? In England, or or what do you think it was? I don't know. He wasn't very happy. Right. Um, was he drinking a lot? Well, we uh, the first gig that we he came backstage to see us, and he said, uh, "It's usual for the band to buy me a bottle of whiskey." <laughs> uh, Not a good intro. <laughs> and we said, "Well, Walter, well, if if we buy you a bottle of whiskey." That's our fee. I mean, we're playing the right. for next to nothing because right. it's you. you because know? of you, yeah. Um, so that didn't go down very well. And then when he didn't go down that well with the audience, he blamed the band. Of course, um, yeah. it's, it's, it was our fault, um, which, which I think was was unfair because he was very unlikely to have found another band that had a copy of the best of Little Walter, which was right. the only. Right um vinyl album you could, you right. could get even yeah. in america yeah um and we had it yeah. in fact it's over there in that yeah. <laughs> yeah. called. i still got so it. now did you guys learn his stuff we learned his, yeah. we learned his stuff yeah. off the off the record so we could play it straight yeah. off no messing about but he you know, just wasn't happy yeah he yeah. was not happy so. yeah um uh, but not not all the stars went 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 down that well um i mean howling wolf was pretty popular, but I can rem- remember I wasn't there that night. But I was one gig that, that they played um, at, a, at a West Indian club in London, and um, Wolf didn't go down very well.
0: Really? Uh, and was it because the the audience just kind of didn't get what
1: he did? Yes. Yeah. And and he he, he apparently it, it was Dave Kelly's. Band, and Dave was saying, to him, "Wolf was sitting brooding. You know, the huge yeah. man brooding yeah. in the in the van going home." And and Dave said to him, um, "Wolf, it, it's it's there's nothing personal. I mean, th- that's a West Indian club where they like ska and regular right, right. and stuff. You know, they don't know anything about the blues." And Wolf turned to him and he said don't you tell me how to play the coons. I said, coon myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Jeez. So it was really the so color he, thing is what kind of freaked him out. It gave the language,
1: but that's what he said.
0: <laughs> right. But I'm saying it was really the color thing, the fact that it was yeah. he was playing to people that looked like him and, and Col- he
1: wasn't getting it. Color was yeah. kind of significant in those days. I mean, right. I can remember John Donnie Hooker could play those clubs and he could do it. Yeah. You would just change that beat, you know, mm. instead of the, he would go, he'd do an and, off you could, beat. and you could see right. all the audience, oh, man, he'd do an hey, offbeat, hey, yeah, yeah, right, hey, right. <laughs> interesting, wow, <laughs> and, and he just, he could go down anywhere, but, yeah. but there, there was one club in London, we played the Q Club, where they, they, there was a tremendous hostility to us, because it was a West Indian club, and we are a white band, back right. in, back in a black, and they Singer. really, they really did not like us at all. They loved wow. him. They loved him. Now, not who not was him.
0: that? Was that Wolf? Or no, that was that was hooker. The hooker
1: yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you know, wow. But on the whole, I mean, Wolf. You know, within any normal blues crowd, he he could, he could really turn it on. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. He was outstanding. I would think so. Yeah, mm. yeah.
0: So uh, now, did you back? Would you guys back piano players, and you just kind of oh, yeah, open back the Memphis. show or something? Yeah, that's
1: why right. we back Memphis Slim, right? And, right. Yeah, and yeah. like you say, Champion Jack. Champion Jack. Anybody, you know, anybody. Right. Playing. Did you back Eddie Boyd at all? No, I saw Eddie Boyd play, but I think he played solo. Oh, okay. I don't remember him playing with a band. All right. But he didn't play with me anyway.
0: Yeah. And uh, and at this same time, I mean, you had a lot of. A lot of interest in blues. You had Mayall out there doing his thing, and
1: that and, was uh, yes, that, that for Alexis me,
0: Alexis Corner.
1: Yeah, for me, that was hugely satisfying because I'd been at university in the north of England and nobody liked my kind of music. Yeah, nobody at all, and they derided it, you know. Uh, um, and I would thumb home at weekends, 200 miles from Durham back down to London, and I could see there was a there was this fundamental activity of um there was a fellow called chris barber oh yeah yeah right he used to have a weekly r&b session at uh at the marquee club in which was in oxford street right then and i'd go there and see it that's my kind of music yeah uh, it's happening and i'm up in university in this godforsaken place in the north
0: so it was really just this tiny little pocket kind of yeah
1: but it, it grew from london and when i came back it, it, it was it was really happening, you know. Yeah. Um, and and so, uh, yeah, it was a good time for me. Yeah.
0: Now, did you meet people like
1: the Stones and, and, and uh, Clapton and different people like at that at the that time? At that time, I didn't meet... I mean, I often saw them play because they were right. playing the same sort of clubs right. that we played. But I didn't get to know them until sometime later. Um, I guess the first... Real big star I got to know was Pete Green, and okay. that was through through um, a, a bass player Bob Brunning, who okay, who I was, he was my partner in crime for, for right. twenty or thirty years right. in all kinds. And he of had just
0: joined Fleetwood Mac. He joined Fleetwood until, Mac until uh, McVie joined. Yeah, right.
1: yeah. Um, but he kept. He, they were friends, you yeah. know. And every time Bob would manage to persuade some record company to make a Another, yet another album of, of us doing something or other.
0: He didn't list Peter and. He didn't. He
1: said, "Well, I whatever. can get Peter Green to come play." Oh, okay. <laughs> and and Bob could charm anybody. He was a he was a charming man. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess the most successful band we had probably was called trap and right. that was just about 1970 nineteen seventy seventy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that had Mick Fleetwood on drums and Danny Coven right. on guitar wow. and Bob on bass and me on piano.
0: So they were they had the they had Fleetwood Mac going, but they were also playing with you. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Although I think at that time Fleetwood Mac was in some kind of uh, they were kind legal. of in
0: limbo because Peter yeah. had just left. Well, yeah,
1: and there was yeah. some kind of legal. There was an argument about the name, who owned the name. Really? Yeah. Well, I think the management put out a completely different band under the name Fleetwood Mac, and there was really there was I never heard that. There was a lawsuit and one thing. Wow, I, I never Mick heard, Mick heard that. Mick was waiting for that to be sorted out. Oh, I never heard that um, before. And uh, we, I remember, we paid him thirty-eight pounds for the session, and he was really glad to have it. To have a Mick? Yeah. Wow. He was, really, he was really glad to have it. Yeah. 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 Um, so and we that band we made two albums and this after we we did some gigs with, after the second with one. Tramp, Tramp yeah yeah, yeah that was so that was early seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that so was, the,
0: so that, the albums the Bruning Sunflower band that was you and you and Bob Bruning and anybody else we could get and Bob. anybody else you could get but Peter was. I think yeah. a guest on all three. Or yeah. Did was, you guys record all those at the same time? And no. Kind of no, distribute them. Or they,
1: they, were, they were recorded in in a, a studio that in the mornings was a was a, a children's playgroup. Huh. And uh, in the afternoon wow. they shoo all the children out, and yeah. then the band would come in. And, Interesting. And we, yeah. Um, and, and that that particular company was one that wouldn't allow you to play any copyright material. So you had to, you had to change the titles.
0: Well, but I mean, he did a couple, he did a couple with you guys. Like he did It Takes Time and uh, I think what, a BB tune on there. I forget which one. We
1: probably changed the title.
0: No, no, they had the right,
1: they had the same titles. Oh, they they, yeah. they, they would have said it was traditional then. <laughs> I don't know. I thought I it's I a, maybe I'm wrong, but it, I th- it was, it was, wow. I was, it was taboo to, to And have. what was the label, the label? Saga. Your, Sonnet? Saga. Oh, Saga, okay, I'm not Saga was a drugstore label, you oh, didn't you okay. buy them in record stores. Right, right, it was Maybe. kind of like United and yeah, some of those other exactly ones. Yeah, like, exactly, Dollar, dollar yeah. copies yeah, yeah, in the yeah, store. right, yeah. in front of the store. Right, right. right. Yeah, well, well no. I was really
0: impressed with the way Peter Green sounded on those two records.
1: He really sounded great. Right yeah, he there. did. Yeah, 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 we, had, yeah. We, we, had, we had fun with those.
0: Right. But you're saying he wouldn't take any money?
1: no he he never took any money from
0: it wow no. so he was doing it just because he
1: liked you guys basically
0: uh, yes or something to yeah, do yeah that's right yeah. something to do something whatever. to do, yeah. yeah yeah wow yeah well it's interesting i remember when i met you uh i met bob bruning this was in 86 or 87 we met in helsinki and i asked him about peter and he told me that his wife was that Peter was under his wife's care at an outpatient clinic for
1: yeah she was she was, she was a very senior and he was
0: saying yeah. that she was that he was really oh long fingernails and the whole thing
1: yeah well um many years later we did get together in something with the British Blues all stuff. right and Peter uh was on several of the gigs but it was very difficult partly because he was awarded court Right. Which meant that you had to go to a judge to, to explain what the gig was and how much he was going to pay and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, he needed 24 hour supervision. Yeah. Somewhere, if he, you know, if he was in a hotel room, somebody had to be with him all night. That is unbelievable. He heard voices, and sometimes the voices told him to do things that you wouldn't want him to do.
0: <laughs> That's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah it's was, a very
0: uh, sad story. It is. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you want to talk something more, too? I've got to tell you about uh, teaching Linda McCartney to play the piano. Why don't we talk about uh, that? That's well, an incredible story. What yeah, year was that? Well, this would be early 70s. Uh-huh. And uh, I think, um, despite what the newspapers said, um, Linda wasn't that enthusiastic about playing with, with wings. Mm-hmm. Um, she did it because Paul didn't want her to be just hanging on left and, out kind of and yeah. trawling right. along with the band I mean, right. they were touring around the world. He wanted right. Linda to come with him, but he said, look, you know, you, 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 you need to have more of a, a more, you know, more of a part you, of you, the, you need, need a yeah. dog in this race, you know, right. Um, so he said, why don't you learn to play the piano? And Paul actually could play the piano quite well. Right. Um, right. And he still can. He still sure, can. yeah. Um, so they had a piano in the, in the, in the living room and uh, Linda had been to see Fats Domino play in Las Vegas hmm. and she asked Fats if he would give her lessons and he said really? Well show me what you can play and she played a bit and Fats said well you know go away and have some lessons and when you get good enough I'll teach you huh. and she took this as a you know as encouragement. Right. So our, my job was to teach her to play well enough that Fats Domino would. get... Now,
0: how did you two meet,
1: though? Um, we met through her accountant. Hmm. Um, her her accountant phoned me up. I don't know how he got my number, but hmm. I mean, not I guess there weren't too many piano players who could do that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Resident in London, they're yeah. all out in the world, being superstars and whatnot. Right. And he said, "Will you teach Linda to play the piano?" And I said. And i said i've never taught anybody to play the piano really no i've what? never given lessons um and so what we agreed was that i would do my best to teach her and she would make a charity contribution and that was that was so, so that every week i would go up there and in the lunch
2: hour
1: wow, <laughs> a long lunch hour yeah yeah and uh, and teach Linda to play the piano what a trip um and, 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 was always a problem getting into their st john's wood house because big big wall around right and there's a there's a, a gate with a with a a, a a doorbell
0: and this is before you could text and all that oh yeah yeah right yeah. way and, before
1: and, and uh the, so the, the the problem was that the japanese tourists used to come around in their tour buses you know and, right and they'd press the bell and no right. one would ever answer it because yeah. it was you know anyway i Phone up and say I'm coming and I'll give you exactly the time. So please be there. Yeah,
2: right.
1: And mostly that worked.
2: Yeah.
1: And so I done give Linda an hour's teaching.
0: And they both they had kids at this point.
1: They had um, there was there was a teenage daughter Uh who worked I think at the florist around the corner from from there because Paul had said she had to get a job. Right. Now she's the one that has the clothing company now? I believe she is yeah. yes yeah. yes and I did I never met her because she worked uh-huh. um, but I met the two younger children who were in about eight or ten uh-huh. and I thought they were fabulous kids they were really nice um, well-adjusted children mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know they sometimes if Linda was late they'd answer the door and take me in and sit me down you want a cup of tea And I mean it was really yeah, and then they try and engage sweet. me in conversation, you know. Right, and I was that's like, that was great. So yeah. nice. Yeah. And I used to bring my children up there. That's wild. Yeah.
0: So they'd all play together?
1: Well, they played the, the there was a, um, a a tennis machine. Uh huh. Linda had bought this tennis And right. we i never seen anything like this. Right. So it was, right. It was a whole new world. Yeah. So my kids were like, can I play the tennis machine? You know, paint. Oh, oh, funny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Keep them busy. Yeah, that, so yeah. that,
1: that kept them busy while... while, right. while uh,
0: do you remember know how long of lessons you would do? Like an hour? About an lesson? hour at a time, okay. yeah.
1: And we, yeah. You know, we went through Jimmy Yancey. I have books oh, Jimmy wow. Jimmy Yancey sheet music. Wow. And stuff. And so, you know, to get that left hand.
0: Yeah. How'd she do it?
1: Not that great. She she, she never had enough time to practice. Yeah. Um, I mean, Linda was an extraordinarily talented woman. Um her photographs were were really quite first class, and I, I've looked, it's disappeared in moves. But I used to have a, a, a signed book of hers of Linda's pictures. Right, and they were terrific. And yeah. of course, she's she's now um, internationally famous for, yeah. for her vegetarian right. food recipes and things right. and such. She had. A lot of talent, but it mm-hmm. wasn't so much on the piano. <laughs> but a nice woman, very nice. Yeah, so I liked That's her great. Love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, did you get to know Paul
1: some during that time? A little bit. Um, I mean, they, they didn't. Uh, I'm trying to think. They. I mean, it was just a, a very ordinary household. I and mean, Paul yeah. would, would go out in the morning at nine o'clock and he'd come back in the evening at five o'clock. He'd have his dinner and, yeah. and so on. And, and they didn't have servants to, to that's something isn't it? yeah um i think that's they had a i think they had a cleaning you know, right right but, but
0: not maids you know, or, butlers you know, or butlers paul or like linda that. would make
1: meals and you know it, right. it, it, yeah it was a very ordinary yeah life so we are back with bob hall and
0: he's telling me about giving lessons to linda mccartney and you were just telling me a good story about
1: uh oh you want me to tell you that yes oh, okay. yes well, well, I, what it, what it kind you? of gives a little spin what? on celebrity one time I was given a lesson, and some guy jumped over the wall of their St John's Wood house. Um, it, was, it was quite a high wall. I mean, it must have been—you couldn't see over the top of it, so it's got to be six or eight foot tall. Right. And he's got a guitar, and he came running through the garden and banging on the window, and he wants to sell this guitar to Linda, you know. And she was able to deal with him without. Alienating him without making it, but she didn't freak out about it. She just dealt with it, yeah, and sent him on his way. with not want the guitar, but no hard feelings, and yeah. And I thought that was really remarkable. That is remarkable. I, know, I, I would have thought. Well, I, I would have freaked I, out.
0: I just wonder. I wonder if some of that was the '60s, and just that you know, a, a lot of celebrities like them you know or John Lennon or whatever they realized that there were a lot of people that were going to kind of come at them and that they could kind of be peaceful about it yeah as a result mm. cuz there's there's a film of John dealing with some guy that just walks into their yard and starts basically trying to get an explanation about a song mm. and he, he deals with them very
1: yeah you know yeah, so what, it, it, it all passed off. It was just yeah. five to ten minutes. It was finished.
0: And that right. was it. Well, I wanted to ask you, the Groundhogs backed Billy Boy. Were you in the band when, when they backed Billy Boy Arnold?
1: I don't think. Because I think I don't they don't did think
0: an album with them.
1: Okay, I have played with Billy Boy and I have yeah. recorded with him. Yeah. But it was for Big Bear. Um, okay. Uh, for, for a, I, think I think this was Red Lightning, as I recall. From about 1971 to 1976 or so. Big Bear would bring over um, the, the, the American Blues Legends Tour mm-hmm. every year, it was, you know, a bunch of guys from Chicago or right. whatever, sort of thrown together,
2: right.
1: um, and, uh, well, not all from Chicago, because of, uh, it was lightning Slim, Wisdom Wh- Smith, right. Eddie Burns from Detroit. Right. Uh, Lowell. I know you guys recorded with Lowell, but maybe uh, that was no, later that on. was that was much later. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think who else was on that tour. Wash called Willie, right? Um, well, was Slim Harpo on that? No, I think okay. he had died. He right died. Right okay. Yeah, yes. yeah. Good. Rocking Charles was a really wow. On. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Um, and mostly they 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 brought over a whole band. Right. Um, but they didn't know each other for the most part. Mm-hmm. And. Often they didn't really want to play together as a band, hmm. and also some of them would stay because Jim Simpson was a, who was a big Bear promoter. I um, mean, he, he he was an agent as well, so he often booked tours for some of tours, or duo tours, with different people. Right. Uh, and they often needed a backing group, and Jim Simpson was interested in cheap backing yeah. groups. Right. And, Brunning and I were really cheap because we are very London we've got jobs, you know. So right, right. To do So
0: think. you were really looking at what was going to satisfy you musically, Yeah. primarily. Yeah. yeah. So
1: we got to play on dozens and dozens around. I mean, at one point... Did I you know, work
0: with Snooky and Homesick? Yeah. Was that yeah, you guys? That yeah, was, that was That's
1: us right. too, yeah. Um, at one time we did three albums in a day. Wow. Um, Crazy. 39 tracks in a day that's crazy and the last album I can't remember which one it was now but I can remember Jim Simpson saying ok we need one more track for this album let's do a great slow blues, really and, uh, and, and Bob Brunning saying the last tune back to where we live Wellington, leaves at 10 past 11 do you want to pay for a cab and Jim Simpson said no Sim. Okay, let's do a fast <laughs> one. One, two, three, and four. <laughs> three minutes Done. Oh We my ran. God. We ran to get the last two. Jeez. So Was he from England? Jim Simpson. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He's from Birmingham. Okay. okay. But that's that's. Uh, <coughs> I mean, Jim is do. He he, he he put on a lot of good music, um, and I you know I can't fault him for that. But it wasn't very. Commercially successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think artistically, some of the stuff that that, that Homesick and, uh, and yeah. Snooky did yeah. was that that was really good. Did you
0: guys record with? Yes, Alex? those were your yeah, records. We did. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I, yeah I, I, I thought they were they were excellent. Um, so I mean, he tried, but it, it, I think the, the the moment had passed. Blues was really popular in the '60s. Music is a is a fashion business, and the fashion was turning. Yeah. So there was still an Were audience. these
0: kind of the remnants of the American Folk Blues Festival? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. So the, the audiences were declining. Right. And, and I think that And
0: And it seems like in a way that's kind of what happened with the, uh, with the blues boom in England is that, you know, you had this time from 65 through, you know, uh, 1970 that it was really an in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it gradually kind of withered away in a way.
1: Yeah, it had two revivals. Um, in 77, I was supposed to leave a job in, in a, a town called Swindon and move right. back to London. And I had a farewell concert. And uh, one of my neighbors in London was Ian Stewart. Okay, drums, right, so right from the Stones, player. yeah. And uh, I talked to him about doing this, this concert. And he said, well, you know, i got a friend who plays drums. So, so we got Charlie Watts along to play drums, yeah, and uh and we we got a horn section of people I think that Stu knew, um, and we made an album. We were just we I don't I think we rehearsed in the afternoon and we did the concert live concert in the evening, and Stu brought Ronnie Lane's mobile down to record it and. We made an album and we put it out. And where was the concert? Do you remember? It was in the Art Center in 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 Swindon. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, and it was sold out, and it was great. it was great. And we did. And was there a name for the the group? Yeah, it was called the Bob Hall George Green Boogie Woogie Band. Oh, George okay. Green was another boogie woogie pianist who was very good. Yeah. Um, and because Stu never thought he was good enough, really. to Play with the band, you know. He hardly ever sat in with us or anything. Right. But he liked George, so George and I, had we had worked together. We we used to tour Germany as a duo. The bass player on of that band was Dave Green, who was oh okay that's, a jazz bass that's player. But Charlie okay. and Dave grew up together. Next, they were next door neighbors. Okay. Charlie learned to play right. drums and Dave learned to play the bass. And All right. Together. Yeah. And they played it in our in our band. Right. For a while. Um, we did quite a few gigs, um, mostly festival gigs, because we had to get Charlie along. And of course, if, it was, if, if you told a festival you could bring Charlie Potts along, they were going to hire they you. They were going to hire you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, pretty and, much. And, and so we, we, we were able to do that. And Alexis Corner was, was a, an old friend of mine. And um, I, owed, I owed Alexis a lot every time my musical career, such as, as it was, would dip. And there'd be nothing going on. I think. Oh, what am I going to do now? The, the phone would ring, and Alexis, hey Paul, I got to do you know. And uh, I now, when be... did
0: you guys meet in the in the mid sixties?
1: Yeah, I think we met. Uh, Alexis used to have a radio show, right? And he wanted to interview um, another neighbor of mine, Joanne Kelly, who was a fabulous right guitar, slide guitar yeah. player, twelve singer, singers, yeah. wonderful singer. Mm-hmm. Dave Kelly's older sister, and I had for years accompanied Joe, um, uh, uh, mostly folk clubs and, mm-hmm. and things like this. And Alexis had us on the radio, and that was how I first met him. Right, um, and I think we we hit it off, and he would occasionally come up with some scheme.
2: Yeah, um, uh,
1: and and this time it was my scheme because it was it was this band, and he came and joined us, so we had Alexis and. Charlie, which were two very big names, wow. for the rhythm. Yeah, players.
0: absolutely. Yeah,
1: and uh, and Stu wanted a, a a big name for bass as well, so <coughs> he he wanted Jack Bruce to come and play, um, and uh, Jack was willing to join the band, but he wasn't. He wouldn't play in a band where the the band leader was less famous than he was. <laughs> yeah. So, so he. Well,
0: at least he didn't have an ego.
1: No, no, of course not. <laughs> so we had to change the name of the band. So it became Rocket Eighty Eight. And what year was this? Was this after Cream or uh, before? It would be after after it would okay. be after yeah, yeah yeah so it would be about eight eighty, eighty one or something 81. like that and how long did that group last well from seventy seven until about eighty two eighty three wow I mean, it was
0: I, together for a while
1: yeah, yeah. and then um, and then it it fell apart I became very ill and I couldn't play for two or three years I really. right um, and uh, and Stu died suddenly without without warning Alexis died and. There was just you know, yeah. By the time I was well enough to play them, there was no nothing to yeah. reconstitute really. Uh, by which time, in I think it was in uh Paul Jones decided it was time for a blues revival, and he formed a uh, blues band. Okay. Uh, and I got to play with the blues band because Dave Kelly and I were and you know we right. They didn't have a piano player, so.
0: Yeah.
1: Know, and for I'm those
0: good. that don't know, Paul Jones is the uh, singer from Manfred Mann.
1: Yes, but he was also a film star. Was he really? He was a star? Yeah, literally. Before, wow. Um, I'm, I'm, geez, I can't remember. The... He had one or two films where he was the the, the Wow, the, the, star. Lead, the leading character. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And he uh, he also did a lot of theatre work. Um, right. He was the male lead in Joseph's... Technicolor Dream Coat. Wow. Um, Guys and Dolls. I think he did too much in, in, on, on the London. Now, West Was he place. also
0: doing the radio
1: show at that point, or was that later on? I think he took that up when Alexis died. Okay, so he basically he took, took on about, that he basically show. Basically, took okay. over Alexis's show. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, based a lot on Paul's reputation, I think uh, the blues band were playing big venues and we had right. we had a lot of fun. Right. And it it brought a, a, a an audience back to what was really British blues. Mm. You know, slightly different from the All American sound. but, right. South, but right. there it was. Yeah. Um maybe not hip raid material, but they sold a lot of records. And well
0: Dave be, Kelly was, was fairly early on too, right? Wasn't he kinda on the scene in the Oh yeah. In the late sixties or or mid sixties? Yes, yeah, certainly yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I remember having a British, British blues album. They were the, these anthologies. I'm sure right. you remember them. I They had, uh, yeah. and you're on it. You were on it with uh, with uh, uh, and, uh, Savoy Brown, is what uh, I remember. Yes, what right. well, I with yes. You were on like one of the yeah. really early records with Savoy Brown. And I was, was like, these guys sound like the most authentic thing
1: on here. This was the the, the label called it Immediate.
0: Yeah, but okay. they were like selling them as bargains.
1: Well, yeah, that's, right. that's the kind, like of, we were that's the kind of label about. that the right. was. Right. And it, uh, towards the end, they wanted to keep putting these albums out. Right. And and I had a little home tape recorder. And, and I recorded stuff, which we then sold to a meeting. Right. <laughs> you
0: know? Because there's like Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page jamming together on it. Yeah, that all that
1: sort of there's stuff. There's Jeremy
0: yeah. Spencer, I think, on it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a whole bunch of.
1: Yeah, Your so and, and, and on, yeah. Dave and Joanne are on are on those and right. with me. Right. Playing the piano on something yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, were, they were, we uh they said we'll give you an advance and then royalties and of course the advance was all we ever saw. Of course. <laughs> Match, that's the record business. Yeah. and 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 the owner of the record label ended up escaping from the UK and moving to Los Angeles. I really? <laughs> yeah. Right where he belongs. Right where he belongs.
0: <laughs> so, um, so, how long were you in Savoy Brown for? Was that...? Well, I was a,
1: originally, I was the original The original member, player. yeah, right. Um, it, the harmonica player, John O'Leary and Kim, came round my house when I lived in London, um, knocked on the door and said, we're playing, a we're, do, we're forming a blues band, do you want to join? Right. And I said, Well, you've got your gigs? No. You know, do you know there any other musicians? No. And I said, Well, when you've got a band, give me a call. Um, a year later, they gave me a call, and sure enough, they had a band. Um, and I you know, it was a hell of a band,
0: right? You guys who you had like a,
1: a, a West Indian, like a He's East African,
0: African yeah. singer. singer, yes.
1: right? Yeah. Bryce Porteous, who was yeah. really good. It was really yeah. good, and really we had a we had a West Indian drummer. Oh, really? Okay. You know, oh, kind of, yeah. Um So it was a, you know, it was it's was, it was a really nice sounding group band. So I I was happy to join, right? Um And we f- we formed our own club in in Battersea. Uh, um, and uh, in the summer, it was very loud. In the summer, I used to open the windows because there was no, there was no air conditioning or anything. You know, I thought was, you could hear it down the street, <laughs> and the neighbors got up a petition to to complain about our club. But well, when you say a club, I mean, did you guys actually? Was it a bar? Was what no, was it? It? Was, it was a it was a pub, uh-huh. and this was a room above a pub, mm. and we had a, a weekly, I think Mondays. Okay, well, um, but all sorts of people. I mean, I think Fleetwood Mac played it. I mean, all sorts of wow. bands, all sorts of okay. bands played it. it was, Too know, much. Um, that club was was very oversubscribed. Every week few I mean, of people to get in, it was packed solid. Like a lot, like it was every band I've ever played with. Yeah. they said we're going to turn professional, Bob. Do you want to come and join with us? Right, and it's kind well, of like actually, you're in a position you know, gotta, where you can't. Yeah, I, gotta, I don't really want to do that. Right, so. Uh, when the band set off, I just played the gigs I could play. Right. And the ones I didn't, they didn't have a piano player. Right. Right. Um, and I'm on the first couple of albums. Right. Uh, in fact, I think I'm on the first four really? albums. Wow. Yes. Because the band lineup changed. Right. Because uh, I, I know Chris it.
0: Yolden or something. Chris,
1: when it? Chris Yolden came, um, it changed the, the the feel of the band. Chris was a, a songwriter as right. well as a Great front man. right? Um, and we would kind of compose together in the, the studio, oh, the, the whole okay. band, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the, the the third and fourth albums are very, you know, they're they they're not they're not just 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 things we knocked up in, in the studio. They they are mostly nice compositions, right? I think. I, I think you have. We had compositions on one side, on the on the second side, we'd have some raucous, loud live session. Huh. Um, and, th- and they made a few singles, uh, not not a hit. Well, at least not with me. Um, and then the band had an offer to go to the states, uh-huh. and once that happened, there was no way. Yeah, you go weren't to going it. to do it. Do I, I could, I could go with them. Sure. So, so yeah. I ceased to become a member. Right.
0: Well, it sounds band. like that was kind of the you know the
1: story with having a day job is yeah, it, it's always that. you're
0: handicapped in terms of what you can really
1: commit to. Yeah, yeah, um, but you know they they would come back to England and I'd <laughs> sit here with the band again. Right. Whatever. Right. And I've made. I re- remained friends with Kim until he died just just before. Christmas. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that, and I, I was, you know, I felt very close to him, and that was a that was a big blow when, when mm-hmm. I heard that he died. Yeah,
0: well, he was. He, 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 I read a really interesting interview with him where he talked about, you know, they said something like, "Well, didn't you have so many members in your band?" He goes, <laughs> "Well, that's just the way it goes," you know. Well, uh, you know, having a lot of
1: people in and out of your band. I think Kim Kim always had. A vision of what he wanted mm-hmm. and it would change from time to time right um i mean up until the the last he was still writing new songs right and, and trying to find new ways of
0: yeah. expression so in a way having the interchangeable members kind of went with what he was writing Absolutely, and working on yes. yeah um
1: and he, he was very good at that uh, uh i think in 2012 something uh-huh. like that uh, I managed to get. Some, I did a Bob Brunning. I managed to get some money out of the record company. I said, "Hey, I got some original songs." <laughs> and, and, and I said, "And if you give me the money, I'll I will get
0: Kim get, Simmons." I'll get
1: Kim Simmons <laughs> to play on it and produce it, right? Because he had promised. Because I I played him my previous album, and he said, well, "That's okay, but I think you could do better. You need proper production, right?" So uh, okay thanks for that, Kim. so I well, okay, you, you say that let's there we go <laughs> you so we, we we got enough money to to spend ten days mm-hmm. in Kim's studio in, That's in, nice in upstate New York yeah and, uh, and mixed the album and we came back with a, with an album after ten days mm-hmm. uh, um, and it was interesting to see the way he worked and the way he changed things around yeah from the, from the basic concepts which we. It was. uh It was. We 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 got there and and uh, it, the first thing he said to me was, you know, your your vocals are too high. You need to bring your vocals down. So we need to take all the tunes down about three semitones. Huh. So there's my wife go. Oh what? I gotta learn, got learn all these bass parts in the <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I've got to play the piano. Of okay. Right? Yeah, I'm still happy, very happy with the, with yeah. the results. And yeah. he brought in some some old Savoy Brown last night.
0: So, um, with the stars of British blues, how did you how did you get onto that?
1: Uh, I'd moved out of London by that time and wasn't able to continue a commitment with the blues band because mm-hmm. they were people, well, they're all London based. Right. And, their, and their gigs were a lot in the south, mm-hmm. and up here in Sheffield, it's hard to get their time right. particularly after work, right? Uh, so, uh, we should mention that you were a patent lawyer most of this time, right? Oh, yeah, all, the, all of this yeah, time, yeah, the whole time, I mean, the European patent attorney, right? Yeah. right,
0: yeah. So, you were a seriously law schooled professional,
1: yes, yes. You know, it's 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 an interesting life. I've, I'm I'm I've, you know, I'm, I'm not sorry I did it. it, was, mm-hmm. it um, and it's quite quite competitive because a lot of it is in court, you know, mm-hmm. arguing cases and one thing right. and So it was, it was okay. So you had left the
0: blues band
1: because yes. they were London-based. Yes, and and then for a while, um, well, I never left them in the sense that I, I never – I playing with them. When difficult
0: they, to play with them when they yeah. came,
1: when they came up this way. Right. I, then I you would. I yeah. would always go right. and play with
0: them. Yeah, right. you yeah. right. I think I was welcome. I mean, right, was, uh, and you've made remained friends with all these. We're
1: guys. still friends, yes. even now. Uh, Hillary and I, uh, by this time, were together, and we for for, for quite a while we played shows around uh, uh, village halls and and little country places. We would mm. we would develop shows. I like write songs. We and they would have some sort of a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the arts council in in Britain would subsidise these us to go out and play in small places. It, it doesn't make you famous, but the money's quite good. Right, so you can't complain right. about that. Yeah. Um, and then I met uh, a, a, a fellow up here who who's a, was at the time a school teacher, and he knew a lot of uh people on on the scene that uh, considering that he had no connections with the music business and he was a very good friend of taj powell mm-hmm. um and uh and there were, there were, he 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 had the phone numbers of a quite a, a large range of folks who he right. regularly talked to and i mean i don't know how he became friends with them i suppose by going to gigs and mm-hmm. then then chatting um And he said to me, well, why don't you you get together an all-star band? And he said, I'll do the founding for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So we got an all-star band together, and we got Long John Baldry to to front the band. And Kim Simmons kindly came and played guitar for us. Right.
0: And was he living here at the time? No,
1: he had to come over to do it. Wow. As as did Baldry. He was living in Canada.
0: Right. That's right, because he was in Vancouver.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And... uh, Tom McGinnis from the Blues Band. Okay. Um, so that we had two guitars. Well, we had Colin, a- Colin Allen on drums, who had been with John Mayall for, okay. for a number of years. Um, and I'm trying to think who we Dick hexel Smith we had on. Oh, Taylor. right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And who
0: you played with in Deluxe Blues Band? Yes, um, yeah.
1: A lot of gigs with the Deluxe Blues right. Band. Um, very eccentric fellow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I
0: love his book, by the way. He the Blowing the Blues book.
1: I haven't read that. Oh I'm told, God, it's I'm told, great! I'm told man. you, should read it.
0: It is so fun. Uh, it's such a great
1: read. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, it's a, it's a real old time eccentric. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we had Peter Green. Right. Um, although, and yeah, I think most of the gigs that the that the All Stars did. Uh, we had Peter Green, although it was very difficult because he was a ward of court. Yes. Now, <laughs>
0: was that mainly in the UK that you were no. able to work with him, or was it no, all over? No,
1: we worked with him in Copenhagen, um, in uh, in Notodden for the Blue Festival wow. there, right. uh, in Orkney. Uh-huh. Um, I seem to think we did the festival in Belgium. Oh, we we mostly did big festivals and you were
0: saying it was really difficult to be able to get him to yes. come on board
1: because of the ward of the he was made a ward of court which right. means that you don't you're not able to look after your own affairs right so we had to go to a judge in chambers and say we've got this gig you know, yeah. what's a gig you know <laughs> how much is he going to be paying all of this and then we had he needed You had to have a minder who, he who, did, you, who did you get for that well he was living with a, with a a young serbian woman mm. who i think was very fond of him and she did actually act as as his minder okay um and all the time that she was that he was with us she was she was his minder hmm. um so apart from we did the san francisco blues festival but we couldn't get him to that mostly because of getting the visas, that was right. You said that was real last minute. Oh, god, yeah. My visa yeah. arrived five days before that's so nerve wracking. <laughs> and, and I know Tom Mazzolini, who's a yeah,
2: the
1: blues Festival, right. And he's you know, well, has, has your visa come through yet, yeah, Bob? No, no, yeah. not yet. No, no, I think
0: any promoter is going to get real nervous yeah. when things
1: are like that, yeah. But anyway, it came through, yeah, and and, and, and we did it. People think that the musician's life is just simple. Yeah. Standing up there and anything but there's a lot goes on behind the scenes. That's right. So so with uh
0: with with uh, the All Stars, how long did that last as uh, a band? Did you guys ever
1: record? Yes, there's an album on Indigo? No, SPV. German okay. Herbal, SPV. Okay. Um from the Notodden right. uh, concert, um, and uh, which I think I've, was recorded by the radio station, oh you know, right, the, right, Norwegian right. radio, right, and they gave us the tapes, so we were able to put it out as an album, and um, we edited it down. And I, I think it's it's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it was good.
0: Is that still in print? You know?
1: No, I don't know. Yeah, um, it's the last album that that Long John Baldry made, I believe. Wow okay. because he died soon after
0: the the British blue stars um, you said they lasted how long how long was that a couple of years more
1: well, probably three or four years I three or four think, years yeah. because okay. we didn't play that many dates we right could, we needed a festival to pay, to really make to it come together airfares, right you know? right exactly yeah yeah yeah. So, uh, yeah but yeah we did what we could mm-hmm. um, and well, what else were we doing? Well, I mean, all through, all through the eighties uh, and nineties, I had been playing with the Deluxe Blues Band with Danny Adler. Right,
0: and that's one of the times I met you over yeah. in Helsinki. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, it yeah. was Danny and Bob Brunning, Bob Brunning, and Mickey Waller. Right who, on drums, who was yep. very strange. Um, <laughs> And um, the yardstick yeah, of yeah, so the yardstick, yardstick of weird. Of, <laughs> yardstick of weird. Uh, but Mickey was extraordinarily bright. Yeah. He was a fabulous drummer. He was just kind of weird. Yeah, he um, was on the original Jeff Beck album, I think. Yes, and he, think was, he was in, was in on band. Yeah. He, was, he was in Small Faces, I think it was a Small Faces. Was band. he in Small Faces? I'm, I'm, I'm I didn't guessing, know that. I'm guessing. You yeah. may be right, yeah. Because um, Ron like, Wood was in he was certainly on, on, band at the He was certainly on on a lot of Rod Stewart's stuff. Right, right. And he, ha- he, he had a, an argument with Rod Stewart's management about being paid. Uh-huh. And when they wouldn't pay him, Mickey went to law school... And got a law degree and sued them. Whoa! And he won.
0: Unbelievable. I
1: mean that's how that's how that's bright, serious. That's how bright he was.
0: That's serious. Yeah. That's,
1: Whoa! That is, that is how bright he was. He was a very, very clever man. They member. didn't know who but they were messing with, no, did they? but <laughs> he was extremely weird. Yeah. that's a great story yeah. so that was a strange band yeah um, and then you had
0: you had dick hextel smith who's right? very eccentric <laughs> yes. and, 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 could have come up with some different titles
1: for that band. Yeah, <laughs> right. and then, yeah and then bob running and and danny adler was right. the guitar player yeah
0: um and, and that then, was together for a while as i recall oh, we it, we,
1: we, were yeah. from, we we did a lot of recording and, and a lot the, of time through the,
0: through the 90s i think yeah 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 we
1: did and, and it's it's quite it was quite satisfying there's there's a lot of bootleg material of that band mm-hmm. around and some of it's you know i'm i'm quite pleased with you know yeah. how it is where people say is that you on this record and you listen to think if it's any good you go yeah well most of these are good, good answer yes. yeah, most yeah. Of these are good, yes. <laughs> yeah. Now,
0: who sang in that band? Well, I,
1: Danny I Adler did. Danny did? did. That's That's right. I think he That's was right. the only singer in the band. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I remember that. Um, Actually, Charlie Watts did did play with the Deluxe briefly. Did he really? Yeah, I think there's a Deluxe wow. album with Charlie on it.
0: Now, didn't you play in the uh, the Bill Wyman? Uh, did you play in the Bill
1: Wyman No, band? I don't. I never okay. met Bill okay. Wyman. All right. Okay. I mean, I, I met Charlie. I met... Um, uh, mick jagger and and keith richard briefly because when we had when charlie and i had this big band mm-hmm. uh, they used to come to the gigs oh and cool. sit in the, you know we'd have we'd have a jam in the in the dressing room oh really so that but it was kind of strange um i got to, to 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 uh to know something about publicity in the music business we we, we played a, a gig at um, cook's ferry Inn, which was in north london it was a, it was a big fashionable venue at the time mm-hmm. and i remember the end of the gig it was a great gig we all it was, it was very good and and everybody packed up and went on their way and i was one of the last to leave had i think i probably was the last to leave um and in the next morning i opened the paper to find that 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 Mick and Keith had come to the club and caused a fight and a ruckus and had to be thrown out and the police called wow Uh, i'm going was this just bs no i was there yeah they left before me so it never happened it never happened that's so weird man and and i I can remember talking to uh uh, uh, ian stewart on the phone and saying uh-huh. I mean, they've they, they made this stuff up ian. that's incredible and he said yeah they do it every day i said well don't you complain about it he said, it was fell up with you know what, what's this the point? is not worth yeah it's, it's not, not worth, worth it. even
0: getting yeah. into it yeah
1: but it just makes you think what you read in the papers right know. doesn't mean much no no you know they, they will make well it the, up. The,
0: the one i'm seeing in facebook is is unknown Blues singer beats Beyonce and Taylor Swift. Did you see that, Bonnie Raitt,
1: unknown, unknown blues, blues singer? singer. Oh, oh yeah, that's in the UK papers. I would have loved to play with Bonnie Raitt. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Which Bonnie Raitt and uh, Joanne Kelly were kind of rivals. Were they really? At the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the time, I mean, Joanne right. had a had a contract with CBS, right, I think, um, and was. I think Bonnie was with Warners or something. Something you know? like that, yeah. yes. But I mean, Bonnie was—I guess I don't know. I didn't know very well. i, I knew her manager, Dick Waterman, at right. the time. I know Waterman vaguely. Yeah. The,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and uh, and Dick promised me next time Bonnie's in town, you, you know, you can play piano. Of course, it really, can. it never happened. Never happened. Yeah. Uh, um, but Joanne was not easy to. Deal with it, it, she, really well. She didn't really want the stardom, she just
0: yeah. Well, that's kind of like Peter Green, we we're
1: talking yeah, about, you it's know. She just thing. Yeah. so a lot of a lot of the bullshit that that the, goes with, yeah, the, she didn't right didn't care for, yeah. I can so, understand that. So she, you know, she didn't get on with the, with the money people, terribly right. Well, right, uh, which was sad because she had a huge talent, yeah. Um, but you know, if you're not prepared to do it their way it's yeah you know, they, they find someone who will you know?
0: and she went back to what mid 60s was she around the mid 60s
1: Joe uh, even earlier Joe um, once one of her earliest gigs was a residency she and I had at a at a pub in uh, in Croydon South London right uh, this would be I don't know very early 60s and we were the interval between the the, the jazz bands
0: really yeah
1: we, we we did our interval slot and joe played her you know charlie patten and, right, <laughs> so so and, yeah. and and then i played along with her you know? right and then they have dixieland bands either side huh. and i remember they paid us 25 shillings in old money mm-hmm. for this and after some time i i said to the promoter look you know we've got by the time I've driven from where I live, picked up Joe, gone to the gig, taken her back, gone home again. I've spent 25 shillings in <laughs> gas. I had a, yeah. an old car, That's you know, in yeah. the gallon. Yeah. And I said, could you make it 30 shillings? And he sacked us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, shut yeah. up. Well Club owner empathy, right? That's right. Yeah, he's acting so incredible. Yeah. So, um, your newest uh, your newest venture seems to be Little Jimmy Reed.
1: Yes, I met Little Jimmy in uh, in Scotland, um, more than about twelve years ago now, <coughs> and I never thought that I'd play with another American bluesman.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um because they were all dead yeah you know i mean i played with wolf and hooker and walter and chuck berry and you know right. everybody love and false and all, all my heroes i played right. with and they For were all sure. dead yeah um and i didn't think in fact i wasn't even going to go and see him. But the, 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 the festival said, you want to see this guy
0: he's yeah
1: good he's good and I can, I can remember to this day standing at the back of the room and listening to this sound and, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck went, what? He's, he's the real deal. Yeah. Um, and we got chatting and I said to him, you know, I think you could do well in Britain. He was completely unknown. But yeah. It was unknown to me as well. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, and and I, I said, I'll see what I can do. So I phoned all the uh, music agents that I knew. Not that many, mm-hmm. but I phoned everybody I knew, and they all said no. Wow. Absolutely not. And one of them said, no, he's too old school. And that really... <laughs> yeah, that really... puts you on a mission. That, yes. <laughs> said, what do you mean old school? Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's stand. right. That's what blues is. Um, yeah. So... I got back to Jimmy and said, look, I'll try and get you a few gigs. I don't know whether I'll succeed or not, but I'll try. And we organized a tour and it went well. Um, And every year I'd organize one or two more tours for him. We used to do 15 days, something like that. Um, A lot of clubs. Um, the occasional festival if I could get one mm-hmm. and things like that. And gradually Jimmy acquired a reputation. And he's uh, audiences like him. He he, he he connects with all... He never speaks to them really, right. unless I prod him into yeah. saying something. Um, but he... Exudes he, something. He, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He, he does connect with them. Yeah. Um, and he plays... The real deal right i didn't realize quite why and I mean, what what seems to have happened i mean jimmy's not easy to to draw out his life history but what seems to have happened was that jimmy played music uh and he's also a qualified hairdresser uh, oh really i did not know that he's qualified to teach hairdressing I mean, incredible yeah wow I mean, jimmy's you know a very literate man
0: Rod Piazza is a, was actually a hairdresser, Oh, too. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> what do you know? Yeah. Uh,
0: so, so. Uh, I've lost the thread. Oh, so so. in other
1: words, you, you met him and you guys connected. Yeah, and, and, and I did try and, t- try and get him some gigs. And gradually, we managed to get off the sort of club circuit and into this little theatre circuit. Right. Um, and that's worked very well for us over the years. So mm-hmm. now I will try and find a festival or at least some gig that will pay the, airfare pay the freight for know. sure. Right. Um, and then I'll put together a tour of weeks or so. Um, Art centers and theaters and Jimmy just comes over and, and plays those. Mm-hmm. So it's
0: mainly the UK
1: Mainly the UK. He yeah. used to play more in in Europe, but but it, it seems to be harder and harder to get gigs in Europe It does yeah. the the money the UK Pays better because it's theaters
2: hmm.
1: And, uh, and there doesn't seem to be the same sort of theater circuit in europe or if there is i'm not part of it and yeah. i don't know how to interesting well it's
0: always it. seemed to me that the uk is almost like a separate entity from the rest of europe and a lot of uk guys don't even play in the uk and they end up playing in europe or vice versa yes
1: it's, it's like the It's interesting yeah the blues yeah. band mostly played in the uk they did right. do festivals and things elsewhere but right. i mean really or more of their gigs from the UK. Yeah.
0: It's interesting how there's that separation.
1: Yeah. uh, It just depends where you can manage to find an audience. Right. Right. Um, And and Jimmy has found this, this audience as as long as he can do it. And I think they'll come and see him play. Yeah. That's Um, awesome. I mean, he's an inspiration to me because he's got more energy than I have. And he's older than I am. Yeah. Right. Um, And, uh, and he loves to play. Now, what was his... Didn't you say he was in the service or something? Yes. Oh, that was what I was going to right. say. He, up until the age of 35, he's working these two jobs. He's got eight children. He's mm. acquired two wives. One divorced, obviously. You know, right. But he's supporting all this, right. these people. Right. And he can't do it. He's It's, not, it's just not enough money in it. Mm. So he joined the army. Because 35 is the oldest you can joining the army mm-hmm. so he joined the army and straight away volunteered to be in personnel he's lived all over the world so he did his 20year stretch but when he left thought about taking up music again mm-hmm. and of course what does he do he plays the music that he played 20 years earlier right, right. so he's a kind of a throwback right you know and it's uh, part of Jimmy that would like to be contemporary. What I tell him is that the, the people actually, what they really want to hear, is that that sound. Right. You know, it may not be a contemporary. The old school sound. Yeah. It's an old school yeah. sound. Yeah. But that's way you can, you know, there there are lots of people who can play contemporary blues. They don't do what you do. No. You know, there's almost do, nobody do, that does. Do it what anymore. you do, yeah. and yeah. you can't go wrong. And, and yeah. he's so far. Right? Yeah. Touch wood. He's that's doing awesome. That. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that that's us. We, I mean, we aren't we we used to we used to do I used to have a full time job and I'd still do seventy or eighty gigs a year. Right. But we've cut it right down. Yeah. Now yeah. we've we've retired. I'm yeah. Not, and I I'll be well, I was eighty last year. But you're
0: still playing. Yeah.
1: Well, what else would I do? Yeah, you right. yeah. <laughs> you've got yeah, to do. That's the beauty
0: be. of music, it, I think. It you know. is. I mean, it's it's it. In a way, it's it's. It is the new seventy. Yeah. And, and,
1: <laughs> yeah. And in a way, it's one of the few professions. You know, if you're a footballer or right. something, you can't go on no, doing it. You can't. But if you're a musician and you, and your fingers don't give up nope, on you, that's right. Then, hey, you can go on doing it. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Eric Clapton. And mm-hmm. uh, of, of 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 all the people in 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 my generation of, of blues, I never played with Eric Clapton. Mm-hmm. I met him once mm-hmm. uh, in the Cow Palace really? in San Francisco backstage Huh. and Dan Ford introduced me. Right, right, right. Dan Ford I know Dan. of yeah. uh, guitar player. Right. And Bob Eric, I would like you to meet my friend Bob Hall, and Eric goes, Yeah, I've heard of him. And then he went away. <laughs> 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 so I know he's heard of me. But I don't know. Either. That's so weird. And man. and I wanted to have him in in Rocket eighty eight. Mm-hmm. And Stu wouldn't have it. Really? No. And and Eric, I, I'm told, wanted to play with us. Really? And Stu wouldn't tell him where the gigs were. How bizarre! He said, "No, he, he's too loud."
0: Well, could that have had something to do with uh, Jack Bruce, though? Or was that before Jack Bruce? Well, Jack Bruce was too loud as well.
1: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, All maybe you don't think it
0: had anything to do with that? Well, it might have done. Yeah. yeah. But he
1: yeah. certainly... And I, That's he, interesting. No, you don't want to... No, no, it's not right for that. And he wouldn't have it. Wow. He was rather determined. Interesting. Yeah. And you and Stu
0: are pretty good friends, right? We were good friends. Ian yeah. Stewart is is...
2: He's Rolling, Stones Rolling Stones alumni. Well, yeah. he
1: was the original pianist. The the original pianist, right? And Andrew Oldham sacked him because he didn't have the right look. Right. And that's right. that's true enough. Right. Stu never looked like us. Rolling Remember
0: He was older, wasn't he?
1: Yes. Yeah. But he uh, uh, he stayed with the Stones um, because he's a, he was a good organizer. He, mm. was, he was their roadie, their road manager. Right. He ran their office. Right. Um, and in time, he also ran the mobile studio.
0: Well, I like what you said about that. He um, he was one of the few people around them that would give them an honest opinion. Yes,
1: Stu. Yeah. That was a great thing about Stu. He would mm. he. Uh, I was telling you, you know, that they'd go out, come up, come off stage, and the audience are going berserk. You're right. And they'd say, how was it, Stu? And he'd say, you were better last night. <laughs> with, he, 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 he told it like it was. Right, you know. right.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. They seem to think a lot of him.
1: Well, I, I, yeah. I when he died, I, I wondered whether the band would carry on because yeah. he was so much integrally part of the whole yeah. thing. And he did yeah. play with them. Um we had, my, my son and I had tickets for Wembley one year uh-huh. when they were doing a show, uh, which was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there were some, there were some Stones songs that Stu didn't like, you know, the psychedelic ones and things like this. Right. He's a boogie woogie pin. Right, and he right. He didn't like it. Right. Um, and every time they'd play one of these songs, he'd get up and leave the stage.
0: <laughs> Would he be on stage playing?
1: Well, he'd be on stage playing the, the other rest, songs, the other right, songs really, but anything right, he didn't right. like, he'd yeah. get up and leave. Uh huh. And and they they had a band meeting. Apparently, Charlie told me at a band meeting, and and, and they, they said, "Stu, if you don't stay on the stage and play, we won't pay you."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And next night, they go? You know, and they they play a psychedelic <laughs> song. Charlie Charlie saw, <"I> look around <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> He did.
0: that's great. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely a man of uh, man of his uh, convictions. Absolutely. He was a man yeah. of conviction. He was. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Well, Charlie Watts seemed like a great guy, too. Yeah. He
1: really uh, did. I, I, I'll give you a, a Charlie story. Um he he I mean Charlie wore his fame very very lightly. Yeah. You know, he didn't he never thought he was a very good drummer, which hmm. actually was crazy because it's crazy world-class drunk yeah um and he didn't think anything much of of the trappings of of fame fame yeah uh we're we're in the band bus going to a gig with with um uh, rocket 88 and and the the two guys are talking about getting a new car george green and and one of the home players you know Mm -hmm. they're they're discussing the various merits of different cars right and charlie pops up pops up in the front and said george whatever you do he says don't get a ferrari and george oh why why is that and charlie said well he said i've just took the ferrari to the garage and they charged me 600 pounds to clean it <laughs> Jeez! <laughs> so all along, I I won't get one of those too. <laughs>
0: yeah, That's great. Well, I you know the other thing I wanted to just get with you on is uh like how you got into such a wide selection of styles of the old blues guys. I mean cuz I know you're one of the few guys in England that really plays, you know, learned Big Maceo or Walter Davis or you know all these Obviously, the boogie woogie guys like Albert Ammons and, mm. and people like
1: that. I put that down to, to a lock up shop in Streatham called The Swing Shop. Um, the Swing Shop had uh, w- was a jazz record store, mm-hmm. much smaller than this room, much smaller. You could only get four or five people in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, they it was run by by a fellow called dave carey who was a a, a vibraphone player and drummer mm-hmm. and he oftentimes wasn't there and he, and he had a, a an assistant called len who, who, who was a bass player and would let us play any records we wanted at that time you couldn't just go into a shop and buy american blues records they there was some some sort of tax problems or something or but anyway you couldn't do it mm-hmm. and dave carey found a way around this he had to a 100 records at a time he could designate 80 of them and the other 20 the the the, the dealer in the states would choose mm-hmm. so dave would put in his 80 what guys jazz quartet john coltrane stuff like right and the dealer would go to the you know the, the cheapo Drugstore records, and he put in modern and the really right, cheap right. ones. You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Dave would, when, when these records arrived, he would to oh, gather of all rubbish and he'd throw it out in the bins. so I mean, I've if you look, I've got a whole set of BB Kings, Johnny Hookers. Right, right. I've got the Howling Wolf on Cra- yeah, Crown. Crown. Yeah, that was the right was Crown, Crown yeah. records. Dave did start, did realise that there was a a, a, a market for mm-hmm. for um, old blues reissues. Mm-hmm. We kind of used the swing shop as a as a library. You know? We would mm-hmm. take them home and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> take them and then take them back. And, right, right. And, and as long as Kerry wasn't there, that was that was okay. They'd be right. back in the rack. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> that was my my um, education mm-hmm. in, in in old blues. And also, I got to know um, a collector um, called Francis Wilford Smith. He had an extraordinary collection of, of rare and valuable 78 records. Wow. And I got to know him. He was an artist by profession, uh, in fact, mostly a cartoonist. Hmm. And for many years, he, was, he had an exclusive contract with Playboy. Wow. One cartoon a month for Playboy. Too he was mad. not allowed to do anything yeah. for anybody else. So he, he, he lived quite well, and wow. he spent his money on, on records and rare uh-huh. books and things. So I learned a lot about, about um, particularly piano blues, which was what he was mostly mm-hmm. interested in.
3: What would you say are your
0: favorites of the piano, the uh, 30s and 40s?
1: I can always listen to Jimmy Yancey, right. particularly late at night, right. where you can't beat Jimmy Yancey for right. late night listening. I actually quite like Leroy Carl, even yeah. though he's a very simple. Oh yeah, he was, a, he was. But he was great. a great composer. He was know? a great composer. You know, absolutely, and I like listening to his yeah. compositions. So
0: his songs yeah. really kind of became the, the, um, the kind of basis for a lot of the um, later blues singers.
1: And I you know? like some of the yeah. most people, Sunny Thompson. I like. Oh, okay, yeah. was um, were 50s. King. Yeah, the 50s. Um, right particularly he has a, a tune called screaming boogie which i would, would love to be able to play but i'm not good enough uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I, and I found that. i found him there was an article in one of the um kind of gutter press uh, about teenagers and drugs mm-hmm. and, it's, and it said he had a photograph um, of some rather ordinary looking kids dancing And it said, drug-crazed teenagers dancing to the latest New York craze, The Fish. So I thought, I want that record. (laughs) And I found it. That's That's great. It's Sonny Thompson. That's great. I don't think I've heard that one. Oh, I I, I can play it for you. Okay. I've got it here. Well,
0: let's play something.
3: right. We'll take a walk out in the park. Little girl, I want to sit in some shady tree. Take a walk out in the park. Little girl, I want to sit in some shady tree. nothing bother you little girl of you just be my little honey bee oh,